Thanks for checking out the Summit Church Podcast. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. in North Canton, Ohio. Hit subscribe to get our weekly sermons or go to thesummit.life to get more information. Well, like Jeff said, seen quite a few guests here this morning. And if you are a guest with us, I want to also welcome you. Just let you know how thankful we are that you're here Uh, It is a privilege, and I know I say this a lot every week. It seems like I say the same thing, but we really do mean it. If you're a guest here today, um, we we feel a privilege that you took some time on your Sunday morning to be here, whether somebody invited you to come here, whether you drove by, whether you found us online. um, However you got here, you're you're welcome here. Hopefully, you'll find a welcome place. Um, At the end of the service, when we finish up here in just a few minutes, or an hour or two, you know, however long that time. Just kidding, just kidding. If you're uh, a guest with us, when we finish up the service, you go into the lobby, there are two big signs hanging in the lobby that say guest start here. And we would love for all of our guests to stop by there uh, and make sure that you pick up a Summit t-shirt. Now, if you want to, and again, this is not something we require, um, but it helps us to know who's here. Uh, And if you're interested in our church a little bit more, but in the seat back in front of you, there's a green card that says connect with us. And there should be a pen uh, there also someplace. If there's not something right in front of you, you can reach the person, you know, kind of their chair next to you or whatever that uh, vicinity that you're in. Uh, But fill out that connect card with a little bit of information about yourself. And you can take that to the lobby and give them that connect with us card. And we would love to just give you a Summit t-shirt. And this is not something where we're like, hey, if you get a Summit t-shirt that um, you're, you're you know, forever uh, have to come back to this church. We just want to make sure you leave us something in hand that just says that we're thankful that, that, you're, that you're here. Um, also, and, and you know, if you go here, uh, this is not something that is for our guests. But uh, if you go here regularly, um, we don't take an official offering. Nobody passes baskets or how many, some of you probably remember way back in the day when we first met in, in, in the movie theater, sometimes we'd pass around popcorn baskets, you know, you know, it just fits right in there. Um, but we don't pass around the basket and every, every church does things a little bit differently. Uh, but we give you a lot of opportunities to, in, in a number of ways to give. One of those are drop boxes on your way out. So you can um, put uh, cash or check or whatever in those drop boxes. There's a kiosk out here in the north hallway. You can also give online through our church app um, or the summit.life. We have a giving tab there that, that you can give. And you guys have been so faithful. What's, what's kind of incredible is that January is usually a really, it's just it's the way it is probably for everybody in, in, your, in your home budgets or whatever that is. January is a tough month. And so we always anticipate that January is, is, is probably a month that we will not make budget. But um, we made budget in January and exceeded it by like 1500 bucks. And this, you know, I'm amazed um, at your faithfulness as a church. And we do, we, we really do not try to beat a drum, people giving money. That's between you and God. I don't know if you're giving or not. Um, and you guys have just been faithful and it's not about an amount, okay? Some of you maybe get hung up on an amount, like how much do I give or how much am I? That, that's between you and God. That's, that's not for pastor or staff leadership. It's not for us to tell you. It's between you and God. And uh, so for those of you who are involved in giving, 
And I hope you see the, the things that are happening and going on around here. And I love, you know, things like the music that, that we talked about this morning that we prayed for, you know, the things that help our live stream. There's probably a lot of people watching online today, especially our sick people. So if you're at home uh, and sick, hopefully you get better soon. But uh, there's people that run screens and sound and lighting and music and just so much work that goes into that. That doesn't happen without having um, the avenues to do that. And your giving helps us to be able to accomplish that. Then with our kids ministry, um, kids are, and that's, that's really where I started in kids ministry a long time ago. For some reason, way back when we were in, when my friend Robbie and I, Robbie Green was probably one of my best friends in high school, and he's a pastor of a big church down in Texas now. Um, but we used to run the second hour um, children's church. I don't know why they let us, <laughs> but they did. And so when I was like 14, 15 years old, um, we did children's church during the children's church, the, the second hour at our church. And it was a good experience. But um, everybody that works back in our kids' ministry, they work hard. And, and those of you who have kids, especially if you have toddlers and babies, think about having like 13 kids back there, like 13 toddlers sometimes, 15 toddlers back there. That's a lot. And they, they just, they thrive off of each other, right? And uh, so when I go over just a few minutes, I hear about it. I hear about that, you know? But... Um, you know, we love um, the children that God has entrusted to our, to our church. And so if you work in that ministry or if you have giftings and abilities, um, as Nolan said, I hope that you'll be able to, to connect with him. You can either connect with him in class or online. All right. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in James chapter 3. We're turning a new page here um, in this series. We've been in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of James for, for five weeks and here on the sixth week, week of this series called Faith Resolutions, we're going to James chapter three. And what we've been, I'm not gonna review a lot today. Um, the beauty of having online services, audio, video, is you can go back and review as needed if you're sick or whatever, you can go back and kind of review that. I've often been told that I review way too much and I know um, it's mostly for myself because I forget uh, so I review, uh, and, and sometimes I don't apologize about that, but we're not going to do a lot of review. We're going to jump right in today, um, James chapter 3. And what we're going to talk about is, I think it's difficult because if you can judge someone, again, we talked about a couple weeks ago, it's not up to us to judge. But if you can judge someone by anything, you can judge them by what we're talking about today. And this works both ways. And that is the words that come out of people's mouths. Now, I want, I want to caution us up here in, in, in the beginning because this is not about the person sitting beside you. This is not your crazy aunt that, that just needs to learn how to control her mouth. So the whole time you're thinking, how can I make sure that my crazy aunt listens to this? Because she really needs this. Because she's got a terrible mouth. And so you're thinking, Lord, help my kids 
help my teenagers. My teenagers have terrible mouths. And the things that come out of their mouth are just awful. And your tendency is going to be to think about who else needs this. But what I really want you to think about is how you can change and how I can change the words that come out of our mouth. I was in um, PetSmart the other day, and uh, we, unashamedly, we have, a, we have a dog. We've had, well, we've had a dog really almost since we've been married. After, the year after we got married, um, we got a dog because it's what you're supposed to do, right? So you get married, get a dog. And then you have maybe kids or something like that. And then the dog hates you for having kids, right? It was like a year we had our dog and then Ty came along. And... But dogs have always kind of, they make me laugh because as far as the animal spectrum is concerned, I feel like, especially we have a small dog now. And some people don't call, wouldn't call it a dog because she's really small. Um, but that dog has a personality. Unlike any, it's in my wife, kids, it's like a, she's kind of like a diva, really. And at first I thought, you know, maybe this is our dog, because I'd never really been around small dogs before. We'd always had bigger dogs when I was growing up. Our first dog was a German Shepherd. But even though dogs can't speak, they have this personality. And big dogs, small dogs, whatever it is. I was in PetSmart the other day. I was standing in line. And all of a sudden, I just hear this chaotic screaming. And you know, I'm looking around. I don't see what's happening. I hear where it's coming from. But anytime you hear just desperate words, your, your mind just, it, it stops everything that you're doing. And you, and you, and you just, you look for what, what is happening. So I see nothing at all. Until all of a sudden, the littlest dog I've ever seen, probably like four or five pounds, come zinging by the registers. It's got a leash still on. The screaming was the fact that the, the owner, for some reason, had thought, I got a small dog. I'll just set the dog down, talk to the veterinarian. And this dog's like, I'm not having any of this. This dog takes off for the door. So I'm standing at the register watching all of this happen. This dog, because they're all automatic doors, which was in and of itself was quite humorous. Um, so the dog walks up to the first automatic door and it opens up. It's like, all right, there's one door. Went to the second door. The dog was, I think, too small to catch that one. And by this time, my cashier Johnny on the spot, she's like, I got to do something about it because if this dog runs into the parking lot, I mean, nobody's going to see a four-pound dog. It's going to get squashed. So she says, excuse me, and she takes off after this dog. Well, this dog, when, when, but unanticipated, when she was running through the doors, it opened up that second door, okay? So next thing I know, this dog's like, see y'all. I mean, like running out for the parking lot. And the leash is dragging behind it. Then here comes the owner of the dog running through. She's like screaming. And then the veterinarian, everybody's screaming. It's chaos. And I'm just standing there. I'm like, this is, I mean, because I have a little dog. I'm not going to, I'm not doing anything because little dogs are terrible. (laughs) 
my cashier runs out and, and she um, goes down to pick up this, this dog. And I have never heard a scream come out of a dog as I heard. I, I'm serious. It alarmed me. I was just laughing. But I've never heard anything like that before. Because when she went down, the dog was thinking in her mind, like, oh, no, you're not. I'm going to let out an alarm. I'm going to let out some scream here. And you're not going to pick me up. So she <laughs> reaches down. This dog lets out this noise. It scares the cashier, scares me. The lady in front of me, she's laughing too, a little bit. Because we're just watching this drama play out. And finally, everybody gets to this dog and... and, and, and and it's, it's rescued and it's saved. And I was thinking, I, I looked at the lady in front of me, because you always look for something funny to say about that. And I say, it's those little dogs you gotta watch out for. They're terrible. They're awful dogs. I mean, we, I said, we have one. I didn't want her to think I hated animals or something. I, I said, you gotta watch out for those dogs. And I think, you know, some of the times when, when you look at stuff like that, especially with those little dogs, they are just, they, they, will, they will respond in any way with noises, not words, but with noises to kind of sound the alarm. Like, hey, don't touch me, or hey, you know, leave me alone, or whatever it is. And even though animals and humans are far apart, I think we as human beings are the same way. We react with words. Somebody gets a little too close, somebody says something they shouldn't, you know, maybe some of you on the car ride over here today, some of the words that came out of your mouth, you wouldn't want repeated, right? And I, I think I've told you this before, but a long time ago when I first start, started in ministry, um, Lee and I used to ride together to church. And you'll know, now we never show up to church at the same time, ever. This doesn't happen. You know why? You know, that was the best time to fight on the way to church every Sunday, we were fighting on the way to church. And, and, and we would get out of the car, man, and walk in the front of the church, put that smile on the face. Hi, everybody. You know, we're here, but we just fought for 15 minutes in the car and getting to church. Words are powerful. They're powerful. And I think we underestimate the, the, the consequences of our words. The, the good side of using words wisely and the bad side in using words in the wrong way. There are some of you that wonder why your relationships are what they are today. I would, I would almost guarantee you that if you have a broken relationship, there's either wrong words or there aren't any words at all. There's no communication and James has quite a bit of things to say about our words. And I honestly believe that if you are hiding behind this excuse, and I, I want to I pull this away from you right now, but if you are a ty the type of person that, that thinks, when things come out of your mouth, oh, that's not me, I didn't mean to say that. I truly believe that whatever comes out of your mouth is actually in your heart. For you to kind of say, well, that, that wasn't really me. Those words, that wasn't really me. And, well, I think what's in our heart, it comes out in our words. For those of you who gossip about other people, 
It shows something about you as a person. For those who, of you that are always critical or tearing down, whether it's somebody's face or behind their back, it says something about your character. And sometimes we kind of hide behind this spiritually and we think that we're constructively criticizing somebody. Some of you are negative people. The words that come out of your mouth are constantly negative. Negative about this, negative about my job, negative about my family, there's always negativity coming out of your mouth. Words say a lot about a person. And I think the reason, because James is such a practical book that we've been looking at, it's funny because he waits till the middle of his, of his writing to deal with this. But a person's words cannot be separated from their character. Hurtful words are spoken by bitter and angry people. Lies are spoken by dishonest people. Perverted words are spoken by immoral people. But on the other hand, encouraging words are spoken by loving and caring people. Truth is spoken by honest people and appropriate words are spoken by people that have morality. Look at James chapter three, verse two. This is, this is what he says. He says, indeed, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. Or that, that word in the Greek probably most likely is maybe better translated mature. We would be perfect or mature and could also control ourselves in, any other, in every other way. Now we need to really grasp onto this. James is saying that the gateway to see what's really in us is to examine what comes out of our mouth. And there are three steps to every resolution that we've been talking about every week. But first of all, when you look at your words, there must be a decision to change. And that decision to change about your words is that I, that, that we must use our words wisely. And James, is, James gives us kind of three ways Uh, or three descriptions of the way words can be used. Here they are. Number one, words can be powerful. Look at verse three. James writes this. He says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Verse four, "And, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong. First of all, words can be powerful. When you look at the illustrations that James gives, the two illustrations that James gives here, the bit in the horse's mouth. Now, if you don't know what a bit is, you know, Google, because Google has everything. But it's this, this little contraption that goes in the horse's mouth and honestly can control the entire movement of the horse. And then, again, if you don't know what a rudder is, look it up online. There's great pictures of those. But a rudder is something that controls, even though it's very small, it controls a huge ship. 
And what James is saying is such a small member of our bodies is very, very powerful. The, the person that came up with, with a statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, that's actually a lie. Because words are powerful. Words are powerful. I wonder how many of you right now knowingly use words in a way of manipulation or use words in a way that you know can sway what I term or what I call controlling atmosphere and direction. Have you ever been around people that that kind of are able to control the atmosphere when they walk into a room for the good or for the bad? And I mean, throughout church, you know, I've been working in church for 21 years, but there are people in churches, when they walk in, they just got a look on their face. You can tell. It's not a judgmental thing, but you can just tell. There are people that control atmospheres, not only by their presence, but by their words. The second thing James says here is that words can be destructive. Look at verse five. He says, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. I mean, when you read the language that James is communicating here, he is saying that words are destructive, that they destroy. When I was a kid, we would, I don't know, I don't know where my parents were. But we used to buy these big box of matches. You know, I'm sure you still can someplace. Kids, don't try this at home. But we would buy multiple of these boxes of matches. I mean, there were like hundreds of matches in there. And then we would put several of these boxes together. We would take one match and light that. And just, it was, I mean, it was fun. As a kid, I would never do that as an adult. Some of you still would, but I, I matured out of that. But you notice what one spark can do. It can set on fire. One word can set on fire families, churches, workplaces, friendships. I mean, I don't have to tell you that because you've seen it. How quickly does it, does it take for a, a, a circle of friends for something to be said that shouldn't be said? How quickly does that get out of control? In your workplace, let me ask you this. How quickly do things get out of control? You got a boss you don't like? People are yeah yeah about it behind their back? And pretty soon, there is a, there's an agenda against this boss, 
And we think it's kind of like an innocent thing, like this is no big deal. They're just words. What James says, words are destructive. They're like fire. They're like a tiny spark that sets on fire everything around it. Some of you are in relationships right now. You have kids or a marriage. And I don't have to tell you that it's unfortunate But the people we often hurt most with our words are the people that live right in our homes. Now I've asked myself this, I mean, again, I'm not standing up here as somebody that, that has this right, so I'm just here to tell you guys how to get it right. But why is it that we can control our words mostly around other people in our lives and yet when we go home we sometimes reserve the worst words for probably the people that love us the most. I want you to think about your words. Let me talk to moms and dads here. It doesn't matter what what your family makeup is at all. It doesn't matter what your family makeup is. If you're a single mom, single dad. What would your kids say about your words? What would they say? I'm not, I'm not saying what you would tell them to think about the words that you speak. Like if you were able to sit down, like if you went home today, had a conversation with your kids and say, hey, how does mom how do her words come across? Or dads, just sit down with your kids and say, how do you feel about the words that dad says to you? That'd be hard. That'd be a hard conversation. Like if you told your kid there's no punishment for you just being honest, what would that look like? If you're married here, dating, what would your spouse say about your words? What would your fiance or your girlfriend, your boy, what, what would they say about your words? And by the way, if you're dating somebody here or you're even engaged, let me just say this, if the, if, if the words that that individual speaks to you now are terrible, you know what I suggest you to do? Run the other way. Because some of you think, oh, when we get married, it's gonna resolve everything. Oh. <laughs> uh. I remember being naive, you know? But, but you think, what a person is now, if you can't deal with how they are now, don't date or don't marry somebody based on what you think may change. What would your spouse say about your words? What would my wife say about my words? 
Because it's not about what you think, about your own words. But to have an honest conversation about how your words are affecting the people closest to you. Some of you may wonder why, why do my kids act out? Not all the time, but maybe sometimes. Is that because how you talk to them? In your marriage, does a spouse act out in a certain way and you think it's all these other factors, but it, it is, it, is it your words? Is it your constant nagging? Is it your constant criticism without encouragement? Is it the degrading words that God forbid, the name calling? That just shouldn't be. And I know it's easy to say sorry to the family, sorry, you know, I didn't mean to say that. I know I said some bad things or I called you a name or, you know, I just, I didn't mean that. But it's difficult to like pull those words back in. And when James says that words are destructive, that they are powerful, I think we need to take note. But you know the one that kills me the most is the way that James describes words in the third way. So he says that they can be powerful, they can be destructive, but they can be hypocritical. And this, this, one, this, this one gets me, look at verse nine. And James writes, sometimes it, speaking of the tongue, praises our Lord and Father And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. And James says this, in in case you didn't get that, he says, surely my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Good words and bad words should not come out of the same place. He goes further and he talks about a, 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 a fountain. Sweet water and bitter water coming out of the same place. He says it shouldn't be. And words are hypocritical because maybe people here see you. You're worshiping, you're singing, maybe you're raising your hands. Maybe you served Maybe you've even dropped some money in the offering plate. But then when you walk away from it, your words are just full of poison, full of destruction, full of criticism, full of name calling. James says words can be hypocritical. You you worship with the same mouth that wrong words come out. And what kind of gets me about this in the very beginning of verse nine, he says, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Let me dig into this a little bit deeper. 
You, you want to know what a good rule of thumb is about talking about other people? If that person is not present and you are talking about them in a negative way, that's called gossip and that's a sin. It is. A person, every person is made in the image of God. And so for me to say anything wrong about you or you to say anything wrong about me, James is saying, how, how do good things and bad things come out of the same mouth? And I, and I, I know we do. We just, find, we just think it's kind of like spiritual talk. We think we're kind of helping people. Like, I've, all, I've figured all this whole Christianity thing out. And so I just, having a conversation about how this other person could, could get things together in their life. And James says, listen, hypocritical talk Good things coming out of the mouth, the same time bad things are coming out of the mouth. He says it shouldn't be. But here's the question. What do we do? Because again, if you're like me, you know, unless you're perfect or mature, you know you struggle with words. The things that come out of your mouth, you know it. I don't think there's a person in this room that you get it right in the words that you speak. So the question is, how how do we how do we deal with these words? If 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 the words that come out of our mouths are so important, so powerful, can be so destructive, what do we do? I think there are three steps to appropriate speech. First of all, you need to realize that I cannot humanly control my words. That's important to understand. Because you probably as a human being tried that. And it might work for a while. But the key is in what we talked about last week. Is when you come into a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ. You are given the Holy Spirit of God. That means that God indwells you. I know maybe if you're new to church or something, it's kind of a weird concept. You mean, like if I'm the family of God, if I'm a child of God, God lives inside of me, absolutely. God lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God, although we believe in one God, he's manifest in three persons. And the Holy Spirit indwells you. He lives inside inside you and oftentimes the bible speaks of language of dying to our old selves but being alive in christ and this is what it means and this is this is really where it it gets down to any decision that you make to change that decision that you make to change is about in a sense crucifying myself now not physically speaking but that i die to the natural human desires that i have because I'm born far from God. We're, we're born far from God. We're not born into the family of God when we're, when we're physically born. But we're, phys- we're, we're, we're spiritually born or placed into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But what you have to realize and what I have to realize is since humanly speaking, I cannot control my words That means I need help with that. And if the Holy Spirit indwells us, 
We talked about last week the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, it's not the fruit of me or the fruit of you, but the fruit of the Spirit. That means when a person is truly in the family of God, they will give control over to God every day, every moment, every hour, every minute. That control will be given over to him. And it is, it's an issue of control. And I think that, that all of us struggle with control. We want to control the outcomes of our life. We want to control everything that happens. We want to control our kids. We want to control our spouses. We want to control the people in our workplaces. And so to do that, we use our words. But this is what James is calling us to. He is calling us to give the control of our words to the Spirit of God. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul writes, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And he says things like love and joy and peace, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness. The last thing he says is self-control. And last I checked in my own life and probably that you in your own life, self-control is a difficult thing. Controlling self. But giving that control over to the Holy Spirit is imperative. Now the question is, how do you and I give power to the Holy Spirit to control our words? Is it like a one-time thing? You know, Thomas, it's just like something I pray today and then he kind of takes over and I never have to pray about this again. No, this is a, this is a moment by moment thing. You ever been in a situation or scenario when it's, it's, it's a, for lack of a better term, it's just a mess. It's a hot mess. And you can feel inside of you, like if you're talking to that person, you can just feel inside of you something that is brewing that you know, like if words come out of your mouth, that they're not gonna be the right words. Anybody ever been in that situation before? All right. Anybody not been in that situation before, okay? I've been in these situations before where I can just feel, like I, I know, like if, if I continue to open my mouth here, this is not gonna be good. Here's what you need to do. In that moment, The permission given is not given to ourselves, but in that moment, not an out loud prayer, but to say, God, I'm giving you control over my words. I'm giving you full control. You know, in Proverbs chapter 15, verse one, it says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. How often do you just like back away from something and just not say what's brewing in your mind? And that's only accomplished through the spirit of God. You and I should be begging God to change the way that we speak. 
every day. Every single day, every single moment, you should wake up. And when your kids are getting on your, la- your last nerve, that you say, God, I want you to take control of my words. I'm not saying that it's easy. But when that person walks in the door at your workplace and you want to give them the throat punch, (laughs) to say, God, control my words. Some of you are in marriage relationships right now where it is it's like you can't even stand to be in the same room with each other. That didn't happen overnight, by the way. But I guarantee you, you know where that started? Words or lack thereof. You know what everybody that's struggling in their marriage, which by the way, all of us do at some point in time, you know what every person that's struggling in their marriage, you know what you, know what you need to do? This is free advice. The Holy Spirit needs to have control over that relationship. You know what you need to do? And I need to do? Take your hands off of it. Because we mess it up. And my challenge to you is if if you want your words to change, the first step to appropriate speech is realizing that you cannot humanly control your words. You need every moment, every minute, every hour, every situation. You need to, however you decide to do this, is to say, God, I need you to control the words that come out of my mouth. I need the words that I speak to be from you. Here's the second step. I need to guard my heart. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. In verse 23, I want you to notice something that I've always, when I was young, they made me memorize this verse. And I never knew what it meant until I got a little bit older. But our heart is what carries the passions and and desires of our entire being. And when the writer says, guard your heart with all diligence or guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life and then he goes on and he says that you need to guard your speech your sight your your in other words i i called it safety but stay on staying on the safe path and then don't get sidetracked you want to know how you 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 have right speech you guard what comes or what you allow into your heart. Like if you have a problem with perverse talk, 
check out what you watch on TV. Start there first. Because I'm amazed. Again, not saying I'm, I'm not guilty of this. But sometimes we'll watch things on TV that we would never, quote unquote, say or do in our real life. Guard that heart. Because from your heart determines the entire course of your life. Here's third step. I will use my words to help not hurt. Ephesians 4.29, Paul writes, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Would you and, and, and would I make a commitment today that the words that I speak will be words that help, not hurt? Now, now I, I get it. There, there's, if you have, again, going back to, if you have kids in here, I realize sometimes it's, it's difficult to not say words that are, are in some ways hurtful to your child. Do they need to be corrected? Absolutely, but there's a way that you correct your kids. And again, if my kids jumped up here and you're like, hey, how's your dad? Does he always do that? No, I don't always get this right. But correcting takes on a different form or fashion when you degrade or criticize or break the spirit of your child. Should they be corrected? Yes. Sometimes do those words hurt? Yes. But should you break their spirit? I want to leave you with a verse from Psalm 19. Because if we, have a, if we want to commit to endure through this resolution, the resolution that says, I will speak with self-control. Psalm 19 verse 14 says this. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Here's your action step. And I, no excuses on this one. Don't care what anybody says. Everybody in this room, you memorize things, whether you know it or not. And again, I've caught myself going, I just, I'm getting older, I can't really memorize things. Yeah, you can. I want everybody in this room to memorize this verse. Everybody. And I want that to be a verse that is somewhere visible to you, not just in your mind, but maybe, maybe someplace that you'll see it. It's on your desk, on your refrigerator, wherever you spend the most time. I want you to write that out. I want that to be something that you commit to. Frank Outlaw says, I love that last name. If I choose the last name, that's what my last name would be. Because nobody wants to have the last name Hogsid. <laughs> so my wife said, can we keep my maiden name? But Frank Outlaw says this. Watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. 
they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character because it becomes your destiny. Can I challenge you today? Changing the words that you speak. Having an honest conversation with the people closest to you with gloves off. If you're married, will you go home and ask your husband or your wife, how are my words with no defending yourself? If you have kids, will you go home and say, hey, what Tom talked about today, how are my words? And let them speak. Workplace, groups of friends, how are those words? Let's pray. God, thank you again for your word that it shows us and tells us what you expect from our speech. And I would ask that we be a people whose words reflect your character. That when we're tempted to speak the wrong words, that we would remember that the spirit of God lives inside of us and wants that control over what we say. And I pray that in every moment, every situation, that we would give control to you over the things that we say. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.